This podcast features explicit language and spoilers. Welcome to Better Late Than Never, a movie podcast where we watch a blockbuster cult favorite or otherwise culturally significant film that we have never seen before. My name is Dave and I'm your host. And this week I am joined by regular guest Drew. Drew, what's up? Hello. And this week we are going to be watching a film that neither of us has ever seen before. And that film is Tangerine from 2015. Oh, yeah. Fuck yeah, buddy. What's going on? Yeah, not a whole lot, you know. Just uh, excited to be back on the pod. Watching this here movie. Yeah. <laughs> what, what else can I say? What else can I say? Um, well, I don't know. I'll say a couple of things. And that first thing is that um, I selected this film for a reason. And that reason is that it's June, which is Pride Month. Yeah, Pride Month. Hey, happy Pride. Um, so I wanted to select a movie that had a, uh, you know, something that was on theme that featured uh, LGBTQ characters or themes, something that was from the realm of queer cinema. And then... Also, uh, as discussed in the most recent podcast that I did, um, I felt like it would be appropriate to do a film that featured prominently uh, non-white characters and non-white stories. So, you know, th there was the obvious choice of doing Moonlight, which uh, you and I have also not seen. That's right. um, and maybe we will do that eventually, but I, I kind of felt like doing this one. And part of the reason for that we might get into in predictions because there's something a little interesting about this film that is that draws me to it. But another reason is that, um, as you and I often discuss when uh, breaking down movies on this podcast, run times have become a bit of an issue. Ah, uh, yes. Over these uh, these pods, and um, you know. Moonlight, I'm sure it's great, but it's got a longer runtime. Whereas I checked out Tangerine and I was like, <gasps> 88 minutes. Better than the tight 90. Oh, it's even better than a tight 90. I was like, be still my heart. Mm -hmm. Yep. We're nice watching you. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah, we're, we're doing Tangerine. But um, there, there is uh, another interesting about thing about it that I wanted to watch it for which we'll get into in a second but um before we get into that i guess uh first things first drew how you doing i'm doing well 
You know, uh, it's, uh, gosh, uh, it's almost July here in the, the summer of COVID, which yeah. is a, a weird one. And uh, I think this is the first podcast I'm on since being a dad. That's right. Uh, a, big changes uh, for you. Yeah. Yeah. So my, my first kid was born uh, about six weeks ago. How that going? It's uh, it's amazing, but also exhausting. And uh, it's and you it's named him weird. for me, obviously, right? Yes, that's Young right. Dave. Yep, Young Dave. His name is Dave Junior. Oh, yep, couldn't yep. couldn't do better than that. No, it's ironic because his his name is the same as your father's, right? So that's kind of weird. <laughs> and he was born on my grandfather's birthday. Right. That's right. Yeah. So weird. Very weird. But uh, Arthur is an excellent name, I think. And my wife agreed. So <laughs> well, well, then you roll know. with it, dude. Yeah. <laughs> so we name. did. So we have. Yeah. But it's a, you know, it's a it's a strange time to, uh, you know, normally family would be able to come over and help out. And it's, we're both just kind of stuck in the house. It's it's just it's an odd time. This is it, the conditions aren't what we expected. You know, <laughs> yeah, no doubt. <laughs> but uh, yeah, otherwise things are good. I'm uh, excited to be back on the pod. It's a welcome break from the from the challenges of fatherhood and the, the you know the, all of this and the Mad Max prologue unfolding outside your window. Yeah, that's right. Uh, there there are uh, trash fires and uh, pitchforks and such. So I've drawn the blinds. Hopefully. I'll survive through this episode, cool. uh, but uh, you all in Lister land will will find out. Yeah, right Dave on. will provide an amazing eulogy if uh, I don't make it. <laughs> I'll do my best, digital <laughs> or otherwise. I'll I'll say something at your funeral. Thanks, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, congratulations. So, Drew, had you heard of this film? No. Um. So, as far as uh, keeping things to a tight uh, runtime. I've, I've got a lot going for me in that column towards this podcast episode because, man, am I going in cold. Okay. That's fine. <laughs> pretty much, I pretty much heard about this movie when you proposed it as an alternative to Moonlight for this podcast episode. So I know pretty much what you have said about it already at the top here. And uh, I mean, I kind of briefly pulled it up on the internet. Uh, I didn't really read the plot synopsis because I don't like spoilers, but I kind of let my the corner of my eye uh, graze over some images. So I... I saw female characters in said images, so I'm guessing that our protagonists will be female. I know I'm rushing ahead into predictions here, but I don't have that much more than what I just said. All right, cool, cool. That's fine. You know, I mean, I don't know very much more about it than you do, but I know a couple of things. Um, I know a little, I, I don't know much more about the plot. Basically just, uh, you know, I know the plot synopsis that you get from reading a review. 
So uh, I know that much. Would Are you cool with hearing that or do you want to go in colder? I'm okay to hear the, yeah, I, I'm okay to hear that. Okay. So um, what I know of the plot is that the movie follows two trans sex workers around Los Angeles while they are searching for their pimp. And their pimp is played by an actor who I really, really like. And his name is James Ransone, who you might recognize as being Ziggy Sabatka from season two of The Wire. That's awesome. Uh, my wife and I just watched that last week. Oh, really? Was it, was it yes. her first time? Yes. Uh, we're actually on season four now. Oh, uh, see, season, I know season two is often much maligned. I think season two is great, but I consider season four to be The Wire's best season. Yeah, I'm watching it all the way through again, and it's been a while. I'm really enjoying season four quite a bit. Um, I know this is a bit of a tangent, but will you indulge? You can always edit this in post, right? By all means, go ahead. Okay. Which is your favorite of the theme song renditions? Which season? season? four. Mine too. Yep. Cool. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I think that's part of why I like that season the best too. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I am like very heavily influenced by music in my reaction to uh, TV and film. Hmm. Um, so, you know, if something has a really good score or even a really good theme song it can uh push my Tip opinion a long way yeah 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 so. I, I i guess it matters to me as well and uh to a certain extent um season four suffers a little bit from you know you don't have a lot of your favorites anymore from the earlier yeah. seasons that's and right yet, yeah to, to be so awesome anyway yeah, that's right. They, I mean, they do a great job with, uh, with a few. I mean, some of your favorites are still there, and oh, they've been yeah. in interesting ways. But uh, it's really about, I don't know, the whole season taking place. Every season seems to introduce a new milieu of, oh, yeah, uh, you know, of characters, and I like the introduction of the schools and how the kids tie into things. Oh, yeah, gives it a whole I mean, I depth. love Michael. Yeah, Michael's awesome. Well, anyway, that that was uh, our our wire moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's probably enough. <laughs> yeah, but uh, anywho, uh, so that's um that's what I know. That's all I know about the plot. Um, I also know that it was directed by a man named Sean Baker, who um you know he received praise for this film. This film was um, praised critically. And then he had a film come out recently, which I also haven't seen, but I know got a lot of critical love called The Florida Project. Did you hear about that? I have heard of that. I don't really recall what it might be about, but I've, I've, I've heard of it in passing at some point. Yeah. Well, so, you know, the director is considered good. So I'm, I'm curious to check this out. 
And then lastly, um, this is something I'm just going to mention in passing because we'll get more into it in the second part. And I kind of don't want to spoil it for you. Okay. So all I will say is that um, there is a thing about the production of the film that I know that uh, is interesting. So I'll just mark it here that I'm aware of it. Uh, anyone who knows what it is will know what I'm talking about. And we'll just get more into it in part two. Neat. Now yeah. I'm looking forward to discovering what this thing might be. Yeah. It's just a, you know, it's mostly just kind of like a cool little thing. Hmm. Um, but we'll we'll talk about it in part two. And that's basically it for me too. So, um, you know, kind of a quick part one. But I uh, I've heard very good things about this film. So I'm excited to check it out. As am I. Just from the things that I've learned here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I, I think we're, you know, nice, uh, nice, quick, uh, tight 10 on our part one here. Yeah. And uh, other than that, I think we're good to go. So um, if unless you got anything else you want to lay down, I say we uh, we go ahead and watch Tangerine. Let's do this thing. All right, man. I will catch you in part two. OK, cool. And so here we are. We're back for part two. All right. So we'll do some quick hit reactions. But uh, before we get into that, just a quick um, perspectives check. I'll uh, speak at least for myself. So as we mentioned in part one, this is a film about uh, two characters who are trans. And so um, I am not trans. I am cisgendered. And so I'll be coming at it from that perspective. Drew, uh, you can feel free to share if you want or not yeah. if you don't. Sure. Yeah, I, uh, I am similarly cisgender male. Uh, so that is the perspective uh, from which I come at this as well. Okay. So just putting that out there um, to make it clear that, you know, we all bring our perspectives to these kind of things. So that's going to be ours. But uh, that being said, I do have an opinion about this film. And that opinion is that I thought this film was great. <laughs> I like it a lot. Yeah, I thought it was pretty good, too. Yeah? Yeah, I did. Um, it. I don't know if it was what I expected. But then again... I wasn't quite sure what to expect. So sorry, this is, this is just the real life observation, but there's like little flickering lights in my backyard. Like, I don't know if they're um, fireflies or some kind of animal's eyes or something. Ooh. Yeah. They're already, they're already coming for you. They're coming for me. Ah! Jesus Christ. Um, uh, sorry. Um, well, what, what do you think you were expecting? So I guess, um, the thing about this, the thing about this film is it's, it's more of a straight story. It's about, not straight at all. Well, it's not, <laughs> but it's very but queer. What I mean by that, it's more of a queer story about, no, we, of course, what I mean is that it is, it's just a story about 
people. It's, you know, it's, it's kind of like, I guess. It's a slice of life. It's a slice of life. Yes. It's, it's like a little vignette of something happening to some, some people in LA. Yeah. It's a single day, you know, just following a few people through a day in their life. It's, it feels, you know, as, as, uh, animated and, uh, you know, quirky as the characters are, it, it feels pretty real. Totally. Um, gritty, which gritty for sure. You know, it doesn't, I guess, I guess what, what was surprising to me is going in, I expected it to maybe feel a little bit more theatrical and campy perhaps. Uh, I I was just thinking a little bit more meta, like trying to, it really didn't feel pretentious at all. Well, that's good, right? It is. Yeah. Um, and, and I, I guess I was expecting something a little bit like, like I was expecting the film to try to make a more, I don't know, bold and deep statements or, be a little bit uh, headier and kind of make some kind of a moral commentary, but it could be more I, of a message film, more of a message film. Right. Like it, like I'd walk away feeling like there was some kind of a, you know, yeah, like a social message that the, that the film was trying to really drive home. And that, that didn't really feel like the case. It felt more like the, if there was any piece of it that was that put positioned the film to be standing up for these uh, queer characters and transgender people that would that would fall into that category, it was more just to. It didn't feel like it was focusing on that, but the 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 piece that it it just felt like it normalized these characters as far as. Their yeah, I mean, lifestyle. That's exactly that is exactly what I liked about the movie is that it just the fact that the main characters were trans was completely uncommented upon insofar as the broader uh, film as far as a message or an overarching theme or anything like that. It's just that's what the that's who they are, and that's what the film is about, and you know, you use the phrase normalize. I think that's a good one because it's just like, that's just what the film was about. We get and, to live in their world for a day. Yeah. And you know, the, we just watched the film and I kind of enjoyed that. I could just, you know, I was dropped into that world and I never once had to think about the fact or reflect on the fact that there was anything kind of like, there was nothing about the film that made me feel like there was anything different about this. Or I, right. I had to feel, you know, it, it just they you know, kept it that perspective. Felt normal, like I, I yeah. And I, I don't want to use that phrase "it normal" in, in a way where I'm, you know, making it a value statement. Uh, it's more just kind of like I, I think it's a good thing that the film just just ran with it and let it be itself without feeling the need to you know, gild the lily in any kind of way, you know? Right. 
yeah, I, I liked that a lot too. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because, um, you know, these these characters, it's not just that they're transgender; they're also prostitutes, and that's. But there was nothing like nothing felt weird about that either. It was just right. Of, that was just their vocation and the, like part of their part of their just, life. That's just their lives. Yeah. And let's just follow them for a day. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and and nothing about it like stood out, you know? Yeah, I I think well, and I, I was almost gonna say, like you said that they drop you into this world and you kind of stay there. Um I was almost gonna say, well, and they don't really break that, but even with our um our Armenian character, um, you know, we get to see a different perspective where, you know, we see him and his family, and that does kind of take you out of that perspective and bring you into, you know, uh, a more uh, nuclear family environment that's that's outside of that world of the sort of street prostitutes but it's but he's, it's he's also connected John. back you know, to he's, it. yeah he's, he's the a kind John. of person who yeah. wants this as yeah. you know his his taste in sexuality and um, we pretty much when when we see his family life we pretty much see him interacting with it in the context of not wanting to be there and wanting yeah he to, finds it oppressive yeah yeah and yeah i mean i guess Basically, what I liked about the film is that, like, you know, there, I, I see another version of this movie where it's it's the version of this film where you watch it and it feels like you're watching a lecture. Yes. You know? That's right. Whereas, you know, this, you know, this movie was fun. Yeah, it was. It was fun. Yeah, the characters could fully kind of be themselves and they they were fun to watch and listen to and they're like, none of them, none of them is overtly. Yeah. They're not like, none of the characters is glorified. They're also not. Yeah. They get to be human and flawed and people. And that's fucking great. Well, um, let's talk about the movie a little bit. And I want to talk about, uh, the little piece of background that I alluded to in part one. Was so, it about the, the filmmaking? Yes. Okay. Can I uh, point out observations that I have? Please do. Okay. And I want you to let me know if, if you were alluding to any of this. But, okay. uh, well, first of all, the film's called Tangerine. I feel like everything kind of had this orangish yellow tinge to it throughout. Totally. Um, and then the the camera work is very interesting did did they use kind of that like double dolly uh oh, oh the thing i mentioned in the do the right thing episode, yeah the spike lee technique uh no they didn't do that as far as i could tell in this but they did do something in the filming that was unique yeah well i mean when the characters were traveling there was always like very like dynamic action music accompanying their journeys from point A to point B. And I did I, love the music in this and the use of music yeah. in that. And it did make their kind of like, every time they were walking anywhere, it did make it feel very dynamic just from the choice of music. 
Yeah, and dramatic. From the very like, first they, moment like she, uh, Cindy walks hype. out of the the donut shop in the beginning is just like this fucking music comes over and you're just like, oh shit, it is on now. Yeah, that's right. That's right. She's like, oh, she she's got places to be. Yeah, like she is all business right yeah, now. Yeah, you're just like, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit, bitch. <laughs> I loved how they how bitch was used like all the time. Oh, I know. <laughs> it's glorious. Every sentence was a bitch sandwich. <laughs> I, I wrote down a few choice choice bitch quotes that I liked a lot. Okay. We'll get to that. We can we can loop back to that, but maybe I haven't alluded to any to the one thing that you were you were speaking to earlier, but those were my main uh kind of observations of the filmmaking that that's that really struck me. Well, the the thing about the way they shot this movie and um, kind of the thing it's most well known for or that I, I heard about it is um, kind of it, it's it's unfair to call it a gimmick. But uh, the, the thing that people kind of talked about in relation to this film is that uh, it's shot entirely on iPhone. Oh, wow. They shot the whole film on iPhone fives. Wow. I didn't realize that. Yeah, you didn't notice, huh? No. It just goes to show you how great the camera on the Apple iPhone 5 is. There you go. Speaking of which, Drew, Better Late Than Never is now sponsored by Apple. Sponsored by Apple. I fucking wish. Um, <laughs> no, but isn't that interesting? That Yeah, it is. It is. And I, I mean, the way that some of the shots were done... Like you could tell that they were playing with different modes. Like, so they did of, um, in, in a few in a, in some cases have lenses like better lenses that they put on the phones. Yeah, like not not. I don't. I think fisheye is a little intense. Uh, no, they weren't a, a fish grade, eye lenses, but, but there um, there were they, some they, that they were they, more expensive, classier lenses. Yeah, that they there were some on. shots where the where the the characters in the center kind of bulged a little bit into the frame, whereas like there were some rounded lenses that gave a different uh, feel to the shot as opposed to a. Flat. Yeah, and you talked about um, whether or not there were any dolly shots. They did use kind of, they did put the phones on like some steady cam, like some handheld steady cam. But um, you know, there's some steady cam work, and they did use some expensive like post production stuff to kind of get it, give it a nice look afterwards. Right. So on. yeah, you know. But that being said, for a film that was released, it was made very cheaply with a phone like you or i could theoretically make, make that this film yeah which is just so interesting yeah that's right yeah uh the budget for the film normally i save this for the end but uh the budget for the film was a hundred thousand dollars wow and so you know uh, a lot of times a lot of the money for that would go into the filmmaking equipment and into the post production but um that probably went mostly to the actors right yeah well the money they saved on the equipment they used to pay extras and stuff yeah yeah wow so that's very affordable filmmaking yeah and speaking of the actors um so the main actors or actresses i should say 
where uh, we have uh, Katana Kiki Rodriguez played Cindy Rella and Maya Taylor played Alexandra. And um, there are two leads and they were not, um, this was kind of their first major film experience too. Mm. So, you know, working with, uh, you know, not really experienced actors and this is the leads. So that is also very interesting. Yeah. Because they're so fucking good. Yeah, they're awesome. Oh my God. I think especially Cindy is just fucking magnetic. Yeah, yeah. Cindy's Cindy's uh personality and, and energy is like although Alexandra's awesome. good too. I mean she has the I less really flamboyant her, uh, and colorful role, but she's yeah. great. I mean she's she's kind of the rock. Like yeah. she's the the steady like Cindy's the protagonist by virtue of the story kind of being more hers. I think like it's it starts with her finding her seeking out Chester and like everything revolves around their romance. Basically that's the main through line in the, in the plot, but, but yeah. And, and, you know, she's funnier. Yeah. She's funnier. Exactly. Like every moment is explosive and. But Alexandra has the more kind of like soulful moments. Yes. And she has, she has more of the sane, she has more of the Brad perspective on the story. Yeah. She's more like the the sane person. She's a little bit more relatable. Oh, and, and for people who don't uh, know our, like, personal um, inside jokes, Wingo, uh, right. a Brad is the person, is, is the person we call the, like, kind of the straight man around which all kinds there of insanity happens. There we go using that word again here. This feels so inappropriate, you know? Say what? <laughs> straight <laughs> oh yes <laughs> the uh the the straight queer man or you know <laughs> not even in this case the straight queer woman around which uh all all sorts of crazy shenanigans would happen and be the one to sort of react to it but basically the sane one is the brad right. so yeah um well, um, mentioning other actors, so uh, I was correct. James Ransone is in it and was fucking hilarious as Chester. Yeah, yeah, he's great. I love the I love that guy. Yeah, I'll also mention Karen Karagulian played Raznik, the the uh, cab driver. Okay. Yeah, he was cool. Yep. Any notes on the director, Sean Baker? Did you want to call him out for anything other than his? Uh, amazing achievement making this film on the iPhone? Um, I don't, I don't know that I would add anything that I haven't already commented on. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think we've hit a lot of, a lot of stuff. Let's, uh, let's recap the film a little bit. So basically the movie starts, we meet Cindy who is just out of jail. She's been there for 28 days and she's meeting up with her friend, Alexandra. They are both, uh, trans women. They are sex workers, and they are at Donut Time in L.A., and it is Christmas Eve. And Alexandra drops the bomb on Cindy that uh, Cindy's pimp-slash-boyfriend has been cheating on her with a white girl, uh, like a real... Hold on, what's the quote? Like a real bitch girl, like a vagina and everything. 
<laughs> they were calling her fish. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so Cindy is not having it. So she goes looking for Chester. Um, and, you know, what's interesting about this movie is that a lot of it revolves around number one, no one has a phone. Hmm. But number two, it's an L.A. movie where nobody has a car. Wow. Wow. You know, I uh, I didn't really... Neither of those really struck me. You know, you have the cabbie who has his cab, but um, that's because he's working. But, like, no one else... I mean, it's because they can't afford these things, obviously. Yeah. Chester has a cell phone, but he's the pimp, and he's, he's not a—he's not really an important. Well, he's an important character, but he's not a major character. Right, he only appears for like the last fifteen minutes. Right. Yeah, but he's the only—he's the only person we see using a cell phone. Yeah, and nobody has a car. You wow. know, I, L.A. I mean, you know, L.A. is like the car city. Yeah, Everybody's right. walking everywhere or taking a bus. Yep. Well, yeah. and it we do get some scenes as well where like the poverty is very apparent. Oh yeah. And it, it it's just it's interesting because um I mean you talk couple... about it as a slice of life movie. It, yeah. And, know, and it, the, go ahead. That that element, there are a couple of transactions well there are several transactions that we see throughout the throughout the film and every one like you feel the you feel the weight of that financial transaction like um the our our cabbie it's just it's interesting like i find myself thinking about the cabbie's decision to invest in his his habit of of the prostitutes when he's ostensibly driving around earning probably not a lot of money well i don't know about that because he seems to be you know when he goes home to his family he seems like he's doing all right he's supporting what appears to be a relatively large family in an okay looking apartment he's got a big flat screen tv yeah you know that's true like he's doing he has- all right yeah, his situation seems pretty good. You know, but when he it, says he didn't make time, any money that day, he... You know that he did. Yeah, yeah, he's lying because he wants to go back out to see Alexandra. Right. Or Cindy. That's right. So... It's still... Yeah, you, I, I just... I find myself wondering what what his... How his books balance with with that decision. And then the other couple of things we see, I mean, when he's going to try to find, I mean, not only is there that, but like when he and Alexandra do their thing, they go into the car wash. So he's not only, he's not only paying, first of all, he's not only paying her. We know that he's, he's looking for action with other prostitutes as well, because he picks up Selena thinking that it's, uh, a transgendered person and and um, and when he sees that she has a vagina he gets so angry and he like 
he tells her, don't work that block. That block's not for you. Yeah, that's right. Which I found yeah. amusing. It's like, yeah, get that's the fuck crazy. out of that area. So there's that. But even when they, when they do their thing, he's also paying for a car wash that he doesn't need oh, yeah, on top yeah. of it. Right. So it's like, he's, how much is he spending on this? And, um, you know, he, he runs into that other, um, that other prostitute where he's, he's looking for Cindy and oh, he like buys her a burger, buys her a burger and fry. Like he basically gets well, like I mean, strong armed yeah. into giving her a 20 or whatever, but it's still, it's like, you know, there's all, but, but also like you feel the fact that like, she's there hanging at a, at a fast food joint, just like desperate for someone to, buy her a burger you know you feel like she's in the same boat as these other characters where like they don't have that much on them like cindy had like two dollars to her name that day something like that well she she was fresh out of jail yeah um but yeah everything was heavily transactional right like everything yep and and the um i i found to be really interesting that uh you know we have this we have this uh performance that uh alexandra's trying to invite everybody to of her uh singing at this bar and at the end it turns out that she is paying to be on stage to be singing there yeah which is crazy and I really like that scene where I did too. She's singing like that's the one. That's the one moment out of the film where it feels like it takes a break into something a little dreamier. Hmm. And you know, it's it's almost like this sublime intermission. Yeah, agreed. Um, I, I liked that scene too. It's also, um, you know, what. Uh, it's interspersed with these moments where uh, Cindy and Dinah are kind of uh, after everything that they've been going through, starting to be friends a little bit. Yeah. We'll we'll get to that moment in a second. I want to loop back to a few of the earlier scenes though, which is um, Cindy is still trying to uh, locate Chester earlier in the film. And she's kind of doing this uh, bit of detective work. Alexandra, meanwhile, she um, picks up a trick and it doesn't go well. Mm. It doesn't work out. They get into a bit of a fight, and she drops the line, you forget, I got a dick too, and starts to beat <laughs> him up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> which I thought was pretty hilarious. Um, and then the cops get involved. And yep. um, the cops in this scene are kind of remarkably chill. And- yeah, they get involved, but not more involved than they need to. I know, and I was just kind of thinking about it in light of everything that's happening now, and I was just kind of like, hmm. How realistic is that? I don't yeah. know, because, I mean, you know, there is sort of like cops with the daily grind of being cops who just don't want to have to, like, you know, it's like, oh, I know Alexandra, although they do um, misgender her somewhat in the scene. Um, but mm. regardless... um. You know, they're just kind of like, look, it's Christmas Eve. Let's all just like call it even and get the fuck out of here. 
Yeah. You know, which exactly. is something that I could see happening. It's so. it felt it felt realistic enough. I mean, like you imagine that there are cops out there who would who would feel that way. Also, like those particular cops, you kind of had this sense of like this area that they're patrolling is just rampant with sex the work. prostitution trade. Yeah. It's yeah. their sex work just happening all over the place. Like they this cop knows Alexandra. Right. So it's it's just kinda, you know, no one's no one's getting hurt. No right. one wants to be filling out paperwork and, you know, dealing with with uh jail and bail. Right. So Yeah. Let's all get a move on. Yeah. Um Cindy gets a tip from Bob at the uh, the food line, which was Bob, that guy. Yeah. Cindy is such a bitch to all of these people. Yeah, that's right. Oh man, she's just like ferocious. Oh my to god, everyone. You know, and I'm like, thirty I days honestly, sober. Like, I don't care, bitch. Yeah. Right. Oh my god. Yeah. Um, and so. Uh, she she finds this uh this hotel cat house, and in actually kind of like it's sort of like an intense scary scene where she like assaults the whorehouse in the hotel at when yeah. she finally locates Dinah. Yes, and like I, the the whole the whole trail of uh, her detective work, like like I. It's baffling. Like every step of the way, I felt like like when she's pushing on people to get to the next clue, like, I don't know about you, but in the scene, I'm feeling like she's like beating a dead horse. Like she's she's asking someone for information who I like really believe that they don't know the information that she's asking for. And like, I feel like, like, the way that the clues come off, like it doesn't like the I names mean, Dinah. Like I, I, I was, she, I was she gets there. She's a good detective. She gets yeah, where she needs she to be. Gets at the there. End. She does. But although like, I, I was half expecting up... Dinah not to really be the right person. Hmm. But she is the right person. Although I think it's ironic that she winds up finding Chester all the way back where she started. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, while all this is going on, we do have Razmik, our Ar- Armenian cabbie, who's taking all of these people on various cab rides. We keep getting him interspersed through all this. So a few of them, I, I kind of wrote all of them down, and I don't want to hit on all of them, but there's, um, we mentioned the hooker who turns out to be a fucking woman, which pisses him off. <laughs> but um, the the ones I wanted to point out was uh, the girl who is taking selfies of herself, and then the instant she's done taking selfies, just sort of like shuts Looks down. Bored. Yeah, like you know, she's like all happy for Christmas, and then once she's done taking selfies, she just like turns off. And I was just like, oh, this feels like L.A. commentary. Yeah. Or yeah, millennial commentary or whatever. Yeah, what like, ever. oh, like, you gotta, you know, you gotta look all bubbly for your your social media your selfies, but then, like, once you're done doing that, you're just a vapid, like... Yeah. And know. then the two drunk white bros who puke in his car a lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, 
that ruins his day. It's Christmas Eve. Eve. (laughs) He's pathetically drunk. Who's going to clean that up? (laughs) It's Christmas Eve, man. I'm so sorry. So obnoxious. So obnoxious. (laughs) Where's your Christmas spirit? <laughs> God, like, the Christmas that spirit is us? all over like, the back I've, of my yeah yeah. I feel like I, I, I was looking back in time. I was just like, did they like capture me and Drew ten years ago? Yeah, I put us in this movie. I'm sure I've been that that asshole, obnoxious like oh asshole yeah. in college. Yeah, I'm really sorry about that too. By the way, mm-hmm. I've never thrown up in the back of a. A taxi but i did throw up in a friend's car in college once i have never thrown up in the back of a taxi either i do believe i have thrown up on a train mm. but i don't mm. remember very clearly right but that probably means i did anyway <laughs> um so nonetheless um yeah, so we we mentioned Alexandra and her uh, her business transaction, as she called it, to the cops. Um, but then she uh, she runs into Rasmic, and you know, as you said, they hit the car wash. Did you also did you find that scene kind of weirdly sweet? Yes. Yeah, I thought right? it was I thought it was pretty cool because the two like, of them have both been having this like really shitty day, and then they yeah. both like bump into each other, and they're both so happy to see each other. And yep, they have a this, sight for sore eyes. Yeah. And they have this, you know, interlude at the car wash where, you know, it's a business transaction and it's, you know, an act of prostitution and nobody has any illusions there about anything. And yet something about it was just so sweet. Yeah. I don't know. Well, and like the act itself, it's just, it's, there's something inherently, uh, like, I, I mean, know they could a, have filmed it in a way to make it seem incredibly crass and tawdry. I mean, it's somebody giving someone else a blowjob in a public car wash. And yet the way they filmed it, I was kind of moved. It, it, it had, it was kind of romantic, even though they're not a romantic couple. They're, a, you know, it's a, again, it's a transactional thing, but for, for what they're doing, they are, you know, they are, it's a steady they're happy to relationship. See each other, they're happy know, to yeah. see each other. It, it happens frequently. And like the act itself is, it's, it's interesting because it's, it's mutually pleasurable and it's, it's the, the person who's paying is also the person giving a sex act, which was an interesting. He, that That's what he too. wanted. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, and I mean the 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 shot itself. First of all, it's an ingenious uh, uh, setting for for doing that because it's like you know they they know exactly how long it's going to take to get through the car wash. They know that that they're you know in private through that. Mm-hmm. And um, you know the, the the interesting thing is like I just like the way that the 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 camera is shot. You just like, you get into their heads as far as what their routine is of, of doing this. And like, I can even imagine like, you know, they're probably used to the different sounds and like, uh, they're Alexander not calls at their spot. Right. Yeah. But like, you know, they probably, you know, once that blower comes on at the end, that's no kind of, 
yeah well but that's like the cue to finish right like mm-hmm. that you know I, I don't know everything about it is is i mean it's also very a very visually interestingly shot scene it's kind of neat um yeah. just the way that they do it so yeah totally. everything about it's cool yeah well so they wrap that up Rasmic goes home to his family and then uh we get cindy who's now dragging her, uh, Dinah, her prisoner, who only has one fucking shoe on, by the way. <laughs> Back to donut time. Time to make the donuts, bitch. <laughs> oh, my God. She's so rough with her the whole time. Oh, my God. It's terrible. Um, they're, like, quarreling on the bus, and it's, like, so funny. Like, they're just, like, sniping at each other on the bus. It's like, he doesn't even like you, girl. You ain't special. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. It, it's funny. Like as soon as she gets a break, and she's like, "Like, can I can I just put my hair tie back in?" Jeez, she calls like, it her hair thing too. Her, her hair, hair thing. Can I, can I use my hair thing? Yeah, and the, but the, the, like she gets a break by requesting that, and just like launches into making fun of her, Cindy, and calling her pathetic. <laughs> like, you know. Yeah. And this, uh, just as a trivia bit, you know, because they're shooting us on iPhone and very, like, guerrilla style, um, uh, apparently the bus driver thought this was, like, real fighting and called the cops on them. Wow. Yes. Um, but anyway, uh, but um, this was a sad moment because uh, nobody comes to Alexandra's show. Right. Yeah, that was sad. Dude, this is, you know, there are certain things that, like, will automatically break my heart if I see them in a movie. And uh, the nobody coming to a show is one of them. Yeah. Like, you, you kind of knew it was coming during the whole thing because she's just handing out these flyers the whole film. Yeah. Um, like, you know, the, the whole movie, Cindy has been only interested in Chester the whole time. And Alexandra has been like, I don't want any part of this bullshit. They actually separate for a big part of this movie. I wasn't expecting that. I thought they'd be together the whole film, but they're separated yeah, for like half the most film. Most of it. Yeah. And that's um, right. Alexandra's handing out these flyers. So you kind of know nobody's going to come, but when it actually happens and she's just standing there like that, that kind of shit where like someone's going to like have to perform to an empty theater. Like I just, my heart always breaks. Yeah. It's super sad, but never fear because <laughs> Cindy, <laughs> And rolls Dinah up are here <laughs> with her prisoner in tow. Yeah, <laughs> to watch the show, and it's fucking hilarious. Well, um, and by the end, they are they're like miraculously somewhat friends. I know. Like, I liked that. Yeah, I it mean, was funny and cute. <laughs> them like smoking crack in the bathroom, and then was it uh, crack or weed? I I'm pretty sure it was crack from the way that I mean the the stuff in the bag was white and also oh, was uh, I couldn't, I couldn't see what was in the bag. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm pretty sure it was crack. And I mean, they the way act- that they were lighting it, they were lighting it from like the bowl was upside down and they were lighting it from underneath. Yeah. The, it, they were, and it didn't, it did look more like a crack pipe, but I was like, it could just be a weird weed bowl. I don't know. I was trying to like, I was just kind of like, it could be weed. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was crack. Yeah, fine, whatever. Well, still, uh, yeah, I thought still I thought it was I thought it was very sweet that they uh, made friends 
after all that. Yeah. Yeah. But then um, we also cut back to Resmick, who uh, he leaves his family on Christmas Eve to go see the show, which I did not approve of. Yeah. You know, maybe I'm just conservative. But, um, you know, like it's Christmas Eve, man, and you've got a kid. And yeah, I, I mean, know as far as as far as moves go, like he's asking for the mother-in-law to hound him. Yeah, and, and I know you what feel like doing. suffocated at home and like all of that. But like, go tomorrow. Let you know, like I don't know, just like spend Christmas Eve with your wife and your kid. Well, he knows that there's this special event happening that night, but but he misses. He's it. not even on time for it. Yeah, like, yeah. So well, go home. Yeah, it's he shouldn't have. It, if he was gonna go, he and should he have gone to be yeah. on time. And if if not, don't go. It's and Christmas also, Eve. It's Alexandra's show, and he's interested in seeing Cindy. Right. So what the fuck are you doing, man? Yeah. No, he's yeah. He's anyway. Yeah. Well, so we we finally arrive back at Donut Time where we get our much-awaited confrontation with Chester who tries to play it cool. Girl, where you been? <laughs> and she's like, I got out of jail this morning. You weren't there to pick me up. I had $2 and I spent it on the bus and a donut. Did you at least get me a Christmas present? And he's, <laughs> the, the look on his face when she says, this is why you save money on the cameras and spend that money on paying James Ransone as an actor because you get this look on a guy's face. Yeah. What he, like, he's just like, <laughs> uh, I was well, thinking of maybe taking you out tomorrow night. Oh, <laughs> even before he says that, he's like, we, the thing is, you know, with me fucking running this shit all over town, you know, I'm just so busy. <laughs> like he's fucking Jeff Bezos. Like, yeah. Oh my God. He's so funny. Um, but then Cindy's like, well, I got you a present, motherfucker. And she drags Dinah in. <laughs> and that sets everything on. Sets everything off. Uh, and everyone start, starts fighting. and um, But then things get even worse because, oh, fuck. Razmik's mother-in-law is out looking for him. Mm. You're like, oh, fuck. Razmik's mother-in-law is out looking for him. And she has this uh, kind of a, you know, it's so weird because she's like this tertiary story, but some of the most interesting lines wind up coming from it because she's mm. talking to this other cabbie. Yeah. And they talk about how, number one, how it doesn't really feel like Christmas in L.A.'s weird warm weather, which, uh, yes. And then, number two, there's this line that she says, Los Angeles is a beautifully wrapped lie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought that was that? awesome. Yeah, that's that's beautiful poetry. Yeah. Take the money you saved on the cameras and give it to the guy who wrote that. Seriously. Uh, Great Sean, line. Sean Baker probably wrote that. Um, mm. But uh, anyway, and so we cut back to the thing where everything's kicking off at donut time now. 
Um, Dinah has reverted to being a huge fucking bitch because she's like talking smack about Alexandra's show, uh, calling it a drag show. And Alexandra has this hilarious line where she says, bitch, I ain't no drag queen. Bitch, I'm losing sympathy for you by the minute. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which, again, great, great line. Yeah, great line. And this is where Chester reveals that the secret from the beginning. So the very beginning yeah, of the movie. This is a, this is a, a real buster. Yeah. Do you, do you want to say it? Sure. Yeah. So the whole action kicks off with Alexandra revealing to Cindy that there has, there's this, uh, you know, real vagina having woman that uh, Chester has been sleeping with during the 28 days a when she's with been a vagina present. and everything. Yeah. Um, so this sets off our whole drama, which is the majority of the, the, the plot line for Cindy. Oh, the tragic reveal that Alexandra slept with him too. No, 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 no. We're not, we're not at that yet. Oh, hang okay. On. Hang on. Hang on. Okay. Oh, you were going to say that Dinah uh, slept with him, what, a no, hundred no, no, times? No. So, uh, before, before we get to that, uh, Alexandra tells Cindy about the cheating because Cindy was about to tell Alexandra that Chester proposed to her. Right. And that they are engaged. Right. That's right. Yeah, so yeah. That comes out. That's and right. Because she was she was about to. She said she had a secret with Chester. That's right. So she was leading to that. Yeah. Ah, uh, right. But right. but we get sidetracked with that reveal. Right. And uh, so, and so everybody's like, "Oh my!" Um, but then, of course, Rasmic shows up, and then the mother-in-law shows up, and it all starts going down at donut time and everyone's there and everyone's fighting. And all I can think about is, Oh my God, the poor lady who works there. Yeah, no, she's, she's like really not having a great day with all of this. <laughs> no. She's like, it, it, and the, the, down to like Chester and Cindy are not making a decision on the damn donuts. Like she's like, she can, I've got another customer now. Yeah, They're like, like okay, they okay, just, we'll buy something. And then they, they don't. Just, they don't, yeah. Ugh. And even fucking even the wife and baby show up. Yeah. Rasmic's oh, wife and baby show up. The fucking what baby is crying. Out. If you want to make any situation worse, just add a crying baby in the background. Just stress yes. everybody out. Oh man. You feel really bad for that kid too. It's like no, I know. Uh, the situation so, is not good. Yeah. So anyway, the Armenians all go home finally. And they're, they're out smoking what I had kind of hoped was just innocent marijuana, but you have convinced me is horrible crack outside. <laughs> uh, but Chester has the line, oh shit, whose shit is this? This is my shit. This shit is good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and this is where... Chester finally lets out the big bombshell, which is that not right. only was he cheating with Dinah, he fucked Alexandra too. Yep. Yep. Oh, no. And the way that he reveals it is so like sociopathic and how he's like, he really gets Cindy to fixate on Alexandra and this 
all about kind of like, oh, I bet she didn't tell you that. This is this is some girl shit that you need to work out. That's you know he he like gaslights the the drama to be kind of all their fault and like slithers out of it when really like come on dude you're you're like you're you should be catching some blame for these actions here well it's all revenge shit you know yeah yeah Yeah. it's like you know oh you're gonna out me well let me just destroy your friendship then yep but he can't well we'll get to that because he almost does because yeah. we get we get this this horrible moment at the end of the movie where everyone's fucking miserable. Yeah. Ra- the the Armenian family gets home. Everyone goes to bed mad. Raznik's on the couch. Dinah gets back to she can't even get a lift back to her hotel whorehouse where she lives. She's only got one goddamn shoe on, and they won't right. even let her in. They won't let her in. They called another girl, so she's trapped outside. And the girls, the two besties, are now fighting and are mad at each other. And Cindy gets a fucking hate crime committed on her. Some dudes roll up, fucking throw piss on her, shout some horrible shit at her, and drive away. Yep. And And she cannot afford a new wig. No. So, despite everything... Alexandra grabs Cindy, pulls her into a laundromat, starts drying everything out, and the closing moments of the film are this really nice final moment of grace where Alexandra gives Cindy her wig instead. And yep. tells her it does look really nice on her. Mm. And that's how the movie yeah. ends. Yep. With, and you know, and the they're two holding of them hands. Reach out and hold hands and you you feel like at least between these two best friends, things are ultimately going to be okay. Yeah. So yeah. You know, it's, moment. it's, it's a, a hopeful last image to finish the movie on. And that's the end. It's also, I, I, it's neat in that scene that, you know, we've been following these characters for this whole film. And at the end here, we get to see them with their wigs off. Hmm. Which, we don't get to see at any other point. You know, it's <laughs> the funny thing was too, is that uh, the whole movie I kept thinking about how I really liked Cindy's wig. Like, yeah, I, I thought her hair was just so fucking good. And then when she has on Alexandra's wig at the, at the very end, I was like, Oh damn, she looks really good in that one too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Yeah, and so that's the end. And you know, like I said, I just really liked this movie. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. Um so uh a few final facts, uh quick things. Uh like I said, micro budgeted film. They made it for only a hundred thousand dollars. Do you wanna take a crack at how much it made? Ooh, um, maybe like 3 million? No, not that much. Uh it made just under a million dollars. Uh okay. about 925,000 so far. Okay. Okay. But you know, that's uh not a bad return on investment. Oh. Yeah. It's got 
good score on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, 96% from critics, only a 76% from the audience, which I think is interesting. Yeah. Hmm. I wonder what accounts for that. I wonder if it's prejudice. Yeah, I don't the know. The movie's just I mean, so fucking fun. It is. I mean, like, I, like it may be some prejudice or or folks like voting that way out of whatever discomfort. Um, I also like. I also wonder if there are folks who might have gone in, like, hoping for headier and more. Again, I'm hesitating using the word pretentious, but like more of a luxury meta commentary, like, you know, Oscar. If they were hope- yeah, exactly. If they were hoping for something a little bit more grandiose and were disappointed at the like gritty, realistic storyline, you know, it kind of like, you know, you're like the help hidden figures exactly the color purple. like this was this was more of like a like a punk you know just like real street story yeah yeah it didn't have that 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 gloss on it right yeah um well um i only uh really focused on one review for this cuz i just wanted to keep it nice and short so i just snagged one off of rotten tomatoes that i liked which was written by justin chang who hmm. he's with the la times now but at the time he was writing for a variety but i liked uh, i pulled a couple of quick qu- quotes out that i liked the first one <clears throat> excuse me here we go sean baker's sun-scorched street-level snapshot is a work of rueful matter-of-fact insight and unapologetically wild humor that draws a motley collection of funny sad and desperate individuals into its protagonist's orbit the result is a big-hearted stripped-down yet technically innovative feature obviously destined for a limited audience but it should be enthusiastic and embraced beyond the lgbt fest circuit I agree. Yeah. The second one, the second quote I liked was even when it seems to be going nowhere in particular, tangerine teams with the sort of wry, deceptively offhand details that convey an authentically fascinating sense of place. Mm. And yeah, that's the sort of thing. It's so, it feels you ever, um, you ever hear that uh, really cliche uh, comment uh, and it also has New York playing itself. Oh, no, I haven't heard that, but that's oh, People say intuitive. that, like, like in Woody Allen movies, because Woody Allen always features, like, a lot of New York-y stuff. Yeah. And, like, Sex in the City, they're always, like, you know, the fifth character, like, of the there's the four yeah. girls, like, you know, the fifth right. character is New York. New York. Yeah, right, yeah. yeah. So I feel like in this, you kind of have that, except for L.A. Yeah, that's right. Or at least this 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 area of la yes yes indeed indeed and so yeah and you know uh uh normally i mention if there were there's any oscar stuff this didn't get any oscars but it won a few awards so at the gotham independent film awards uh it won the audience award and maya taylor who plays alexandra uh she won 
the award for breakthrough actor. Hmm. And at the independent spirit awards, Maya Taylor also won an award there for best supporting actress. Great. Yes, indeed. That's all I've got for uh, kind of fun facts and tidbits about the film. True. Do you have any last thoughts about Tangerine? Do we know why it's called Tangerine? I don't, other than the theory you posited earlier that perhaps it's, you know, the uh, the color scheme that features heavily throughout the film. If you look at the, I mean, when I was calling it up on Hulu, the kind of cover art was a silhouetted kind of like sunset of our two main characters walking yeah. the strip and the sky is kind of that color. Right. Kind of like a tangerine color. So maybe that, yeah, I mean, that's kind of suggestive that that's what it's about, but I, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, hang on. I just, I just Googled it. Why is tangerine called tangerine? Yeah. As for the film's title, tangerine was chosen after orange became the dominant color when the saturation was pumped up in post-production. Okay. They provide so, the following yes. quote from the director to back this up. The world in the movie is so colorful and the women are so colorful, said Baker. So you yeah. were correct. Awesome. Good. good good call there, Drew. Nice. Yeah. Well, dude, that brings us to the final most important part of this and every podcast. Mm. Drew, was this movie BL or TN? Wait. Uh, was it? <laughs> so you, How does yeah, that acronym go? Um, yeah. All right. Was it better? B L or movie, N? Was this movie B L? Was this movie better later? Never. <laughs> um. Yeah. Certainly better late. I mean, I felt like this film was very unique and uh, delightful, and beyond that, beyond being just a fun story which in and of itself doesn't necessarily make a film better late. Like it could feel disposable. This one is so unique and feels like, I feel like I've experienced a different kind of film than I've, than I have in the past. So definitely better late. I'm going to agree with you on that. Um, number one, uh, I just flat out enjoyed the film, but uh, as we all know, that is not, the key criteria for making that call. I would also say that, um, you know, the way they made this film, I just feel like is kind of inspiring. Um, you know, I just, I feel, you know, it's not like I'm going to grab my iPhone and run out there and start making movies, but I just, it kind of fills me with this kind of sense of possibility. That you could that I could. Yeah. That feels really nice. And I'm glad for that. And so I think for that alone, this film deserves the, uh, the, the BLTN stamp of approval. <laughs> A big old BL. <laughs> That's right. So you get it. You get it. Tangerine. You yep. are better late. <laughs> well done. Yes, indeed. All right. Well, cool. Drew, it was terrific having you on this podcast. Always good to be here. And um, hopefully 
you know, the world will not have succumbed to roving gangs of cannibals and biker gangs and, you know, roving hordes of uh, whatever the hell else or (laughs) say what? Orcs. Oh my God. We got, we're dealing with orcs now too. (laughs) Jesus Christ. I'm just envisioning the evolution of this uh, apocalypse. I don't know. Got COVID and out of control cops. And now you're telling me we got to deal with orcs. It's actually just the virus. It mutated really fast. It's fucking orcs now. <laughs> the virus is orcs. What do you mean it's orcs? I mean, virus. it is literally orcs. It is orcs. The virus has mutated into orcs. <laughs> do you mean like the small goblin orcs or like the big Uruk High kind of orcs? Somewhere in between. More like the Zug Zug variety. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Zwobu. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, for those of you out uh, listening, please tune in next week when we have a new episode and we will catch you next time. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Bye.